I'm Jessica Peresta, host of the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. I've had at least 15 students who have increased more than four grade levels. He used theater as a tool to make great human beings. My expectations are high for all of them. One of the things that I really love about teaching is the fact that every day is sort of unique and different and strange. Our first guest today, Christy Chapel, started her career in education as a paraprofessional, taught social studies for a decade, and has served for the last 12 years as a counselor at Bolts Middle School in Fort Collins, Colorado, where, as I'm sure you can imagine, she has her hands full of challenge and adventure every day. I love working one-on-one with kids and you know, weird enough, these middle school age is so dramatic and trauma-filled and um, kind of just crazy all the time. And for whatever reason, that just fits for me. I love those middle school kids. That's that's my those are my people. Yeah, they still they still want to you know please the teacher, but they're uh, they're just finding their way. They're just finding their way. There's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, a lot of work to be done, and a big focus of the work right now is in the area of social-emotional learning and creating safe and nurturing learning environments for students. The market, in fact, is flooded with social-emotional learning programs, curriculums, and tools. We see new ones almost every week here at Ed Curation, and part of our job is to curate, to sift and sort, so that you don't have to. You come to us and we hand you the gold, the programs that rise to the top and really deliver. Christy found one of those called Bloom Sites, and we knew you'd want to hear about it. Our district was really kind of, at least especially my schools, really pushing that we learn about social emotional learning and that that become a focus for us. And we were sent to different trainings and I loved all those trainings, but there's always been this push of making data informed decisions about your program. And in counseling, that became tricky to figure out how do you make a data informed decision about your students' social emotional well-being, right? And and to be honest, that's never been my strength area. To, um, I remember taking the class around data informed decisions and it was kind of for me like, ugh. That's not that's not really why I got into counseling. Um, but the reality is, if you're not using data to decide how to move your program, are you making any change in your school or are you um, creating the change that's needed in your school? Christie's district did use a district wide SEL survey, but the results were not provided in a timely manner. And the survey was only issued once a year. When it comes to social-emotional learning, real-time ongoing data reporting is essential in order to be responsive to the needs of individual students and to respond to class or school-wide trends. The kids would take it one point of the year, but you wouldn't get the data till later, way later in the year. So although that's also a resource, it's not a great tool for, for a school counselor. So you were looking for a better way to not only provide the learning, but assess the learning. 
Correct. And what do I, what do my kids actually need? What do they need to be learning about? Where's their struggle? What are they struggling with? Christy was not the only one searching for a more responsive assessment tool. We also talked to Karen Helfrich, an administrator at High Plains K-8 School in Loveland, Colorado, where I was born, by the way. Before becoming an administrator, Karen spent 16 years teaching PE and health, 13 years teaching science, and a year as dean of students, which all contributed to her understanding of and appreciation for the social-emotional aspects of learning. We were looking for social-emotional support for students, and we recognized that that was needed even before COVID hit, um, that our students developmentally needed a little bit more support emotionally. We were seeing it not only with um, undesired behaviors, but with kids that were just struggling to be as successful as they could be. Part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you today, or why I was thrilled to be invited, because it is such a powerful um, add-on to any SEL program. It really allows us to see real-time, where some other SEL surveys are not in real-time. We have to wait months to get some information back. So this is really wonderful that we have immediate feedback on how the yeah. kids are doing. Christy describes Bloom Sites this way. Um, it is a survey tool that um, you give your kids regular surveys throughout the year, and you set how many times you want to do it. It's very user-friendly. Um, and then the teachers get the feedback immediately on the kids' surveys, um, and the surveys grow with the students. So um, each time they're getting different questions and they're getting different questions based off of how they answered the previous questions. And teachers then get a, a really a plethora of information about how their kids are doing, um, how their emotional well-being is, who their friends are. And so it's a way to monitor in current time how your kids are doing and see change over time throughout the year. Karen had this to add. We do a monthly survey where students are asked a variety of questions um, over a variety of social emotional topics that give us a rating on how they're doing in that moment. And for example, um, signs of bullying is one of the indicators that we look at. We know that if a student is sitting in the classroom and they've got somebody near them that's been bullying them and they're afraid to talk to the teacher about it, this survey allows us to kind of have an idea that something is going on and that student's not feeling very safe or very comfortable around that student. And because of the way the program is designed, it actually allows us to really identify the individual that that student may be having a difficult time with without that student coming forward and saying it. So it opens up a conversation that we can have with a student in private or even a class conversation about how we can address specific issues that are impacting learning. So the survey gives you the feedback that you need, and then you also have the resources to address the needs expressed in the survey, either individually, small group, or whole group. Am I understanding right? Yes. Yes. Great. Okay. And it could be supplemental, or it could be your whole social-emotional learning program, what ages and grade levels are you using this with? So when we originally started, it was third grade up. And, and now um, Adam has developed all the way down to first grade. 
And here's the key. This is what I love about this program because all the questions are developmentally appropriate. So the wording, he's used um, psychiatrists to figure out the wording that kids would understand. So developmentally appropriate language. But imagine a first grader at the beginning of the year that really doesn't have a lot of reading background. It's very limited. And so it actually even includes some images instead of words. So it is from first grade all the way through eighth grade. Christy, why did you choose Bloom Sites over some of the other options that were available out there? Because there are a lot of social emotional learning programs available. What do well, you think? I've never seen a tool that actually collects the data for you and then organizes it for you. So I had seen a lot of lesson plans and I had seen a lot of programs but I had never seen a tool that does this particular gathering of information. Talk a little bit about the assessment. What's, what's on that survey? What does it ask? What does it measure? So it measures quite a few different things. Um, one, my favorite part of the tool is just this sociogram that it does where kids get to actually pick who their um, friends are in the school, in their classes, in this whole school building. And it puts it into a sociogram for you to see. And kids that are really connected are kind of in the middle of the sociogram. And then as you move out of the sociogram, you'll see your kids that are not connected. And, and sometimes you probably know that as a teacher, like I already know this kid's super connected, but what you get to see in the sociogram are what, what are called one-way and two-way connections. And so one-way connections are one kid picks somebody, but that kid doesn't pick them back or, um, you know, or that they picked each other. And the kids don't get to see that, just the teacher gets to see that. But um, for kids that have really struggled saying nobody likes me, we'll often find this tool where like that's not actually true. You have, you know, kids that are picking you, but you're not picking them back. Um, so why do you think that is? And then being able to work with them around, you know, like being open to friendships and why do they think that way and 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 kind of really working on that. Um, so that's really helpful or creating seating charts for your kid that is pretty isolated if they pick somebody, then you know, like they really want to be friends with this person. I'm going to seat them next to this person. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we use the sociogram. This is Karen again. The other thing I like about that sociogram is it gives you rings. So the student that you're looking at is in the middle of the rings and it looks like a bullseye with several rings around it. Mm -hmm. And the students that they're identifying as connecting with are on the various rings, depending on the level of connection they feel. So one other feature I'm looking at right now, I do have it on the student feature. Okay. I'm looking at specifically signs of isolation, signs of social isolation, and it gives all sorts of behavioral standards that it connects to. The next tab down says what I can do as a teacher, and there are probably 10 strategies here. So for example, Example one is a five-finger check-in. That's a, a tier one intervention, and it provides some tier two interventions and some tier three interventions as well that a teacher can try. If you want to get a clearer picture of the sociogram, what it looks like and how it works, I've provided a link in the episode notes to a video where Christy provides exactly that. Bloom Sites itself breaks into a lot of different um, categories, and there's kind of like a personal category um, around how they're doing, how their just social emotional well being is. Um, there's one around being isolated, being lonely, around, you know, how do they feel about their school building, their school environment? How do they feel about their classroom environment? 
Um, how do they feel about their teacher, their student teacher connections? Um, so you're you're getting a lot of information about every single kid and in the classroom. And a counselor has access to every kid in the school, and the teacher has access to their classrooms. So you're able to see trends in the school. Absolutely. You're able to provide kind of tier one programming, essentially, but also really target individuals. We have tier one, tier two, and tier three across the board for with Bloom sites. So um, a tier one, um, a tier one, we noticed the trend and kids were feeling um, cyberbullied. Um, that became that we that became a growing issue, especially during the pandemic, right? So we started doing a tier one um, different lessons in the classroom about how to behave online, about safety online. We brought in our resource officer to do lessons with them. Um, at a tier uh, two level, we had a celebration was that kids don't actually feel bullied at school. Like that was a huge, like it, that's a celebration. That's something even to put out to the parents. Like I think there's a lot of talk that kids are bullied all the time in school, but we learned they're not feeling that in school. Mm. Um, but on a tier two level, yeah, there were a couple kids that had, they didn't say they felt bullied, but there were things they got, they were worried about being laughed at at school. So we could work with those kids around why are they feeling like they're going to get laughed at at school and are made fun of. And then how do we help support that small group of kids? Mm-hmm. Um, and to our parent group, we celebrated like, look, our kids are actually treating each other well. We're not seeing this, but hey, you might want to look at the cyber piece of their life because they're not feeling safe there. Um, and then at a tier one level, we had a couple kids that would um, identify that they themselves have been a bully and we're able to do some one-on-one work with them. And it's really crazy that they will be honest and say that in this type of survey. And I remember talking to one kid and he said, well, I didn't think you actually read this. And I said, oh, but I do. And so (laughs) let's talk about this. And he admits like he didn't think he was a very nice person to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were able to do some work around how he treats people and change, change his narrative a little bit. You know, it's so exciting to think of that being done in middle school because once they get to high school, there's just too much going on. I know you, you do certain things with the data. Mm-hmm. What do the teachers do with the data? So we do team meetings at our school um, regularly. We call them our MTSS teams. Okay. And one week we talk about business and the next week we talk about students. We ask the teachers ahead of time to fill out kind of a worksheet that adds what, what did their Bloom site survey tell them about them in these different categories or different areas. Um, some of our teachers, um, like they identified their kids who felt disconnected to the school um, with one of the surveys turned out to be a whole bunch of boys. Like it was a seventh grade group and they each looked in their classrooms and found these boys that were disconnected in school. And so they put together what we called the take apart club. And we brought in all these old electronics and Um, let them just take apart electronics. And these were boys that really, when they do the survey, they fill out things in red, yellow, or green. And a green means they feel good. Yellow, obviously they're in the middle and a red, they don't feel good. And so these were kids that were in the red for all the connectedness for school. Oh wow! And so we did this little pull apart club 
And these kids started showing up with tools. Like they never came with a pencil, but they came with tools for this lunch group and they took the um, electronics apart. And then the goal was they were to put together something of their choice with the pieces they took apart. And they wanted to create a frame um, around one of the the award boxes in school where you keep all the, the awards. And they wanted to make a frame for it. Unfortunately, school shutdowns prohibited this group from finishing their project, but the foundational objective of connectedness was definitely achieved in this group, and the students' overall engagement in school increased for every single student in the group. In our eighth grade class, we used that one of the questions on there is how do they do they see themselves graduating from high school? Mm-hmm. And so we had the teachers all pull their advisory and they made a list of kids that one are disconnected from school and two um, answered the question that, that they're not sure either yellow or red if they see themselves graduating from high school. Um, and we built an advisory around that. And um, they are now in a supported transitional group to go to high school. We talk about things on the teams like pick one of your kids that's showing up in the red and really target that kid. Um, And like we pulled up all the kids that said they didn't have an adult connection. And we each took one of those kids and they're a project for the entire quarter. Um, So there's a lot of ways that teachers are involved in using their data. Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. So data um, helps us look at outcomes as well. And you chose this program was because it allowed you to assess and, and, and provide data-informed instruction in the area of social-emotional learning. So um, how is that working? Well, we, we, we look for trends and change over time. Um, it may take four to six times that they take the survey to be able to see the change. And You know, unfortunately, we started it right before a pandemic. I mean, this was a great starting point for us after the pandemic to be able to say, where are we going to start with these kids? And so we gave them that survey. And then that's how we've made choices all year long about um, what do we want to focus on? And so empowering that you can measure it. Yes. We're filling this and now they're not. And now we know that this is the area we need to focus on this year Mm -hmm. Um, because you're not just shooting in the dark. No, and that's the great part. I love it as a counselor. I love it, um, but I think a teacher could do this just as well as I do one-on-one meetings with kids. And I always ask them, hey, do you mind if we pull up your Bloom Sites data? And they, they always say it's fine. And then we talk about the things like this says that you don't, you're not sleeping well. Tell me about that. What do, what can we do to help that? Or this says you don't feel connected to an adult in the building. And then sometimes they'll say, well, I kind of do. And then we talk about it. And then we talk about strategies to feel more connected. And so a teacher could absolutely use this with their one-on-one conversations with kids around um, some of the areas that they're in the red. So speaking of teachers, how are you integrating this into a student's day? Well, the, the survey itself, they take during advisory class. We chose to do it during, during advisory classroom time. Um, but any classroom teacher then has access to their kids' data and they can then look at their classroom as a whole. How is this group feeling? If I have a lot of kids that are showing signs of loneliness, my first few lessons or weeks probably need to be on building bonds and building connections. And then how often do you guys do the survey? We do about four to six times in the year. In the year, okay. Mm-hmm. But The if- goal is six. <laughs> Okay. But if you were noticing a trend or behaviors or something that were concerning, you could always just pull it out. 
Karen's school also uses Bloom sites during the student advisory period, and they use the Bloom sites survey every month. We've designed our schedule so that all students have an advisory period at the very beginning of the day. Um, so for about the first 25, 30 minutes of the day, students come in, check in with teachers, um, and it's during that time that they have their social-emotional lessons. And then once a month, we do the Bloom site survey. And then um, one of the counselors and I sit down with each grade-level team and kind of break down the data. We start the year giving some training about how to break down the data and how to use the the website. And that allows the teachers just to go in at any moment and see how students are doing. The nice feature that I have is as an administrator, I can see first grade all the way through eighth grade and so can our counselors. Um, The grade levels, we like for the teachers to sit down together. So we'll meet with our whole fourth grade team, for example, and we'll talk about the indicators that they are really proud of and the indicators where they might need a little bit more support. And then we identify individual students who either need support in the classroom or the counselor needs to pull out to provide some extra either support or instruction. So we've got that one day a week where we do the Bloom Sites data, but it's any time that the teacher has access to that data. Oh, so so talk about the data that it does provide for you. Um, what do you see? Because it's always tricky with social emotional learning, right? What, to know what we're measuring and are we measuring the right things and and are we measuring it accurately and how do we weigh the qualitative data against the quantitative data? So I'd love to hear how you're doing that. Right. Well, and the website is designed so that you've got indicators. I can look at it school-wide. Teachers can look at it on a class level, and then they can look at it as an individual level. Um, One feature that Adam added recently was to be able to see all of those indicators over time. It used to be we could only see that month's data. So I love that he's added that over time. And those indicators actually change with time, depending on the time of year. Mm -hmm. So the categories, the indicators are signs of loneliness, signs of social isolation, signs of bullying, classroom community, teacher-student relationship, learning environment, mental well-being, school community, and the school environment. And I can go into um, each category and look at individual questions that are asked and see how the students scored on the individual questions within each of those indicator categories, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And I have to say, um, we identified at the very beginning of the year, two categories school-wide that were lower. And so we were able to address it at a school level, those two indicators, which means that at the classroom level, the teachers could focus in perhaps a different area. So you were trying to really shift your school-wide culture around those two indicators. So what were they? Um, So it was a sense of belonging, and that was specifically at the middle school level, which if you consider coming out of COVID is really difficult because they were online and they didn't really interact except for digitally. Um, So that was really tough. So that made sense. We've done a lot of team building and a lot of um, whole school activities that um, and language that allow that student to feel like they're important and they belong. One of the other categories was um, for the elementary level, emotional regulation. 
coming off of COVID where kids are suddenly thrust into a situation around a bunch of other kids and they don't have that one-on-one at home anymore for somebody to help them manage their emotions. So it really allowed us on a school level to address those two categories. So that was, it was really fun to, to kind of figure out what we wanted to do at the school level. And have you seen those indicators go up? Yes. Yes. So we've got, I've got um, a way that I can look at indicators over time and it breaks it down to the last six months. I can go to a year within the last year and within the last two years. And I have to say, you know, even just this morning, kind of, I told you I'm prepping for a presentation for our parents and looking at the two-year data, it's really significant. That's so encouraging. I mean, you you just have solid data to indicate the success of the pro, not just the success of the program, but that you're helping kids. So well, what happens if you do this and like one or two kids are red flagged on a certain thing? What systems are in place and what resources does Bloom Sites give you to follow up with that student? First of all, that's why we include our counselors in this conversation. Okay. And we encourage the teachers to look at this frequently. As soon as the Bloom Sites is scheduled, the survey is scheduled, we try to connect with teachers and just say, hey, don't forget to look at your your data to see if there's anything we can support you with, with students. Um, So if we do have those red students, either the teacher can pull them aside and say, Hey, what's going on? I'm a little bit worried about this. If it's a student that's really struggling, then they can defer to the counselor, but there's also a place in Bloom sites where you can filter the questions and it will give you some suggestions about some strategies that you can try. Christie's data has also indicated success. We did a little celebration when our kids that were in the red for adult connections became much smaller um, after a very intentional try around getting these kids off the red, like get them an adult connection. And so that's a celebration. And you have to find ways to celebrate too. You can't, it's, yes, the data is really important for what do you need to work on, but it's also really important to know, hey, what we're doing is working mm-hmm. and getting more kids in the green. I personally just love the one-on-one conversations I get to have with kids. And they often say things about, you know, um, I didn't think you would notice that, or I didn't think you would read that. And I like, yeah, of course we do. That's why we do it. And then just being able to talk with them. And sometimes they'll say, I just, just really having a bad day that day, but it gave me a place to talk to them about it. Right. Yeah. And I don't have to draw it out of them. Like I can just show them and say, talk to me about this. I just think it's a way to really just have these really authentic conversations with kids. And I think if you ask them point blank, these questions, you might not get the answers or get, you will get those kind of fine, good, okay answers. You're not going to get authentic answers. Yeah. So how does, do you guys have a subscription? Um, It's an annual commitment and then you have it for the year. We found that the expense was pretty small for our school budget, uh, very affordable. And what we get out of it is this really amazing tool. So it really, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard for me to talk the principal into getting this and using it um, and then continuing with it. And it really needs to be the whole school. It really needs to be the whole school. And, you know, we're what we would like, we would love it to be our feeder system, to be honest with you, because then it would be coming with data 
and sending them off with that. And we'd all have access to that. So that would be a kind of a, a goal, a dream for us would be to have a feeder system. In thinking about the hope of implementing this across the district, I wondered about the learning curve for teachers in terms of implementation. This is Karen. The beauty of it, I know this is going to sound so silly, but you can't mess it up. Like I can get in and I can play around with it all over the place. Click on this, click on that. And it's not going to change what's in there. I'm not changing any data. It's just giving me access to the data. So at any point, I can back out of wherever I am in this app and go back to something. So I think there are so many things that we teachers get into that we're nervous that we're going to mess it up. You know, yeah. If it's an interactive program like this is, this is interactive for kids, but from our end, we can't mess it up. The information is there and it's always evolving. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. It's, you know, definitely for that data driven person. And I think the other thing I like about this too, is the way we have it structured in our building. I mean, I, yes, I'm tooting our own horn a little bit, but the way we have it structured where we're meeting with a counselor, the team and me, mm-hmm. if there are undesired behaviors that are occurring, that's going to be flagged to me. So this allows us to have a glimpse at that. And now we've got a team supporting that student. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. You said that there had been behaviors and kind of some trends that were causing you concern before you started with Bloom Sites, and you've seen some improvement in those areas. What 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 behaviors have you seen shifting with kids? So honestly, the signs of loneliness we've seen shifting, and okay. that's been um, that's been throughout the year. If you've been in education for any amount of time, you know that there are basically, from my perspective, there's been. There's two times throughout the year where undesired behaviors tend to spike a little bit, and that's in November and in February. And I can see the alignment with the undesired behaviors that I'm receiving that teachers need support with, with the indicators that are in bloom sites. So moving forward, not having that data until after the fact from bloom sites, moving forward now, I know, okay, there are things that I need to put in place next year during these times to support the behavior. What are teachers saying that they're seeing? Like, are they hearing kids start to adopt the language and start to use these practices of self-regulation just in their lives without prompting? Are they seeing that happen? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's to me, I see it a lot. The students come to me and say, I just need a minute. I just, I need to go to the cozy corner, the calming corner. And I need, I just need a minute. Um, Even our students that are, have a greater problem with social or emotional dysregulation, Mm -hmm. we've now provided breaks for them throughout the day where they can actually get out of the classroom, move around a little bit. It's five minutes and they're back in. But even with those students, the language they're using, they are able to then ask for a break. So it becomes um, an action that they can do before they become dysregulated. Mm -hmm. They're able to identify it. So just the talking about it and saying that it's okay to be angry, it's okay to feel dysregulated, but now let's look at what we can do to get back on track. I asked both Christy and Karen what they would say is their favorite thing about Bloom Sites for educators who might be curious or wanting to check out this resource. Honestly, I just think the the language, when you came back to that, is it universal? The language that the kids are using, like, it's okay to be mad. Mm-hmm. And what can I help you with? Like the students offering the other students help before even the teacher or a different staff member can get to it. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the big piece of this. 
I think it's the overall picture that you get in your classroom of where your kids really are at so many different levels about so many different things. I mean, even little things around, um, you know, how they're doing at home around sleeping and anxiety and stress. I mean, we ended up putting on a full day in eighth grade around self-care and, and anxiety management based off of their Bloom site scores. Because we, after the coming back from the pandemic, most of our eighth graders put down that they weren't sleeping well. Mm. And that was not true when we first got Bloom sites. Yeah. Um, so that was a new trend that we saw. So we did, we did, a, we had different mental health workers come in and talk to them about sleep habits and sleep patterns and anxiety and management. Um, and so I just think it gives you a tool that you're not going to have otherwise on the, on the well-being of your students. You can connect to Bloom Sites and inquire about their free pilot opportunity using the link in the episode notes or Go to edcuration.com and search Bloom Sites. That's B-L-O-O-M-S-I-G-H-T-S. While you're there, check out all the other free content and resources available to educators through Edcuration, our upcoming webinars, micro-professional learning explorations, our certified Ed Trustees program, our blog, and all of our other podcast episodes. If you found this episode helpful, please leave us a star rating and a review. It helps other educators find us and learn about all the helpful resources shared by educators on the Ed Curation Podcast, where we hope you'll join us again next week.